this is the 50th Christmas since I came to know Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. 21 years old, October 1971, God in His amazing grace led me to faith in Himself. And so with 50 Christmases behind me, I started to look at it. So this morning is not going to be exactly one of those turn in your Bible, kind of here's unpack the verse, but more reflection on things, Dad. I have a friend at a University of Nebraska graduate school, Dean, and we were in his home a few years ago, and I noticed that on his bookshelf, all of the shelves, all the books on the shelf had his name as the author on that, which was quite impressive. So I said to him, I said, so how, how, how do you come up with an idea to write a book on? And uh, he said, well, basically, I consider a topic that I should know about, but I don't know much about. I sign a contract to publish a book on it, and then I begin my research. And so I kind of tackled Christmas this year from that perspective. In Proverbs 22.1, the second wisest man to ever live on the face of the earth said, a good name is to be chosen rather than riches, and favor is better than silver or gold. And Solomon repeated it in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 1, when he said, a good name is better than a precious ointment. It says in Philippians chapter 2 that God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It says in Luke chapter 2, as the angel choir came and met the shepherds on that hillside outside of Bethlehem, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. He was known for nicknaming people, especially international dignitaries. I don't know if he did it because it was kind of a personal way that he could remember who they were or it was a statement of affection, but the prime minister of Spain, his name was Jose Aznar, but he just called him Ansar. Uh, the president of Russia, I love this, he called him Pootipoot, and uh, in private he called him Ostrich Legs. Uh, for the United Kingdom's Tony Blair, he just nicknamed him Landslide. Kevin Rudd in Australia picked up the label, he's the man of steel. And I, I love this, and, and I'm not uh, Sicilian or Italian, so I'll probably pronounce it really wrong, but uh, Silvia Berlusconi of Italy, he called him Shoes. And I find it interesting that the man who called our first lady Bushy, it went down in history simply known as 43. You know, those, those nicknames tend to attach themselves as an expression, either a reminder or a summary of something about the character of the one they represent. There, there's a, a new trend on Instagram, and I did get permission to use these, but uh, the, the trend is this, what people call me and how I rate them. And uh, Micah Friesen, uh, Troy's son, he, he says, my real name is Micah, so I give that, when they call me that, I give it a 10 out of 10. His favorite one is Mocha Frozen. He said, I'll give that 100 out of 10. It's my favorite nickname. The customers, he said, call me Mike. I give that a 4 out of 10. And the people I work with just call me baby boy. He said, I only give that a one. He said, that's terrible, but that's what people at work use. Chloe Carlson, my granddaughter from 
Indiana, she, she said uh, that Carlson is the name that her coaches call her, so she's proud of her family name. She'll give it a 10 out of 10. Uh, her siblings, the little ones, call her Coco. Uh, Chloe Face, she says, gets a 1,000 out of 10. That's what my mama called me this, but I'm not sure why she spelled it with an E. She went on to say, I'm called Coco Puff, and that's a 10 by 10. That's what my older brother calls me. And Cece, I get that 1,000 out of 10. I hate that nickname. Her cousin, Ashton Carlston, gave me permission to say his. He said, I like being called Ashton Coocher. I give that a 10 out of 10. And he said, some people just call me Ashton. And he said, I guess that's just classic and straight to the point. He said, some call me AC, and he said, I give that an 8 out of 10 because they're keeping it cool. I like that. But he also said, I, I don't like being called ashtray. It seems offensive. I give it a 5 out of 10, but I respect their creativity. So, you know, it's like in our family, when you're born into our family, you enter the Rempel household at your own personal risk. So Deborah quickly went from being Deborah to Debbie to Babs, and I have no idea where Babs came from, but here she is in her late 20s, and she stuck with it. Meredith immediately became Gracie. Caleb became Befriend, named by his Aunt Dawn, and we still don't know why, but all of the little ones now call him Befriend. Lydia went from Lydia to Liddy Kate to, we just abbreviated it to Lyd. Charlotte Noel, my great-granddaughter in uh, Grand Island, uh, her dad calls her Cha-Cha, and the rest of us call her Lottie. And Florence Rose in Chicago, uh, her grandfather immediately shortened it up to Floro, and uh, her brother Forrest, uh, I just call him Ranger, but his dad just nailed it to the number four. There's always a, something that identifies and abbreviates, and so as I was thinking about the names they called Jesus, from the crib to the cross, there were 33 years. And they called him so many names, each of which had a significant meaning to the one that used it. His father called him Jesus, Matthew chapter 1. Your fiancé is going to have a son, and you're going to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Gabriel called him Emmanuel, which simply means God is with us. The angel choir, when they appeared to the shepherds on the hillside, they just simply named him Savior. Unto us is born this day a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Simon the saint we talked about in communion last week, when he saw him, he called him God's salvation. His mother simply called him Son. I like that. He's 12 years old. You read it in Luke. It's one of my favorite stories. You try to slide your feet into the sandals of those that were there. They've taken Jesus to Jerusalem. He's 12 years old. He's enjoying the Holy Week. And the family leaves, and they assume, like all other middle schoolers, that Jesus is just hanging out with his buddies. And by the time they're ready to eat the evening meal and bunk down for the first night on the road, that he'll show up, find his folks. And when they get there, they can't find him. And so they make a journey, a day's journey back to the city. And on the third day, they find him in the temple courts. And he is amazing, the PhDs of theology of his day, with the brilliance of his Socratic questions. And in the midst of this esteemed, astute group, Jesus' mother walks in and says, my son, 
didn't you know that your father and I'd be worried about you? And I can just see Jesus, 12-year-old Jesus, go, Mom, you're totally embarrassing me here. And he says, don't you understand that I have to be about my father's business? His heavenly father on the day of his baptism called him my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. On the day of the Mount of Transfiguration, when for a brief moment the veil of eternity is pulled back a bit, the father's voice said, this is my son, my chosen one. To those that admired him and those that were inquiring of him for things that they wanted, they simply called him teacher or rabbi. It's interesting how many, as you're reading through the Gospels, call him Lord, and yet they refuse to obey his command. And the number that called him teacher, and yet they persistently refuse to embrace his truth. His neighbors in Luke chapter 4, when he is in his hometown synagogue in Nazareth, and he is reading from the book of Isaiah, and he closes it up, and he said, today this prophecy has been fulfilled in your midst. The neighbors said, isn't that Joseph's son? Why would we listen to Joe's boy? The demons called him the Holy One of God. They said, you are the Son of God. The demon said, you are the son of the Most High God. A stunned fisherman, Peter, having done what I do when I go fishing, have fished all night and caught absolutely nothing, is commanded by the Lord to take his boat back out into the sea at the wrong time of day, cast out his nets, and suddenly he's swamping the boat with the catch, and he falls on his knees, and he calls him Lord. It's a recognition of his sovereignty, his authority, his rule over all. Those who rejected him, the Pharisees, called him the friend of sinners. One brother between services said, wouldn't you like it if people accused us of that? That these are the people who are known as the friend of sinners. In John chapter 8, they used a coarser word than we'll use today, but they called him the son of fornication. You are one that was conceived and delivered out of wedlock. Peter, when asked by the Lord, what do people say that I am? Who do they say that I am? He says, well, some say that you're Elijah, and some say that you're the great prophet. He said, but who do you say that I am? And he said, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And then the story of two blind men who had far greater vision than those who could physically see. They cried out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on us. The Son of David is a, is a title that was given to Jesus 12 times throughout the Gospels. It, it meant that there was this expectation that the promises made by God, that there would be one, a descendant of King David, who would ultimately sit forever upon the throne and he would rule. He would be the King of kings and he would be the Lord of lords. And when they cry out to him, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy, they believe that his sovereign authority gave him the power to open their eyes so that they could see, and yet in their blindness they saw what those who could see could not. It's the same thing they cried to him on the day of the triumphal entry when they say, Hosanna, Hosanna, which means save now, save now. Hosanna to the son of David. They wanted him to be a different kind of king. John the Baptist, when he sent the inquirers to ask, who are you? He called him simply the one. Are you 
the one. Jesus gave himself seven particular names that are most insightful and significant. In John chapter 6, on the day after he fed the 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes, on that next day the crowds found him across the sea, and he said, you're not looking for me because you like what I say, you're looking for me because you got a free lunch. And they said, well, you know, Moses, he fed the children, our ancestors, he fed for 40 years in the wilderness, and you gave us bread one day, and Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am that essential, apart from which you cannot live. In John chapter 8, Jesus is standing under those four 65-foot candle operas in the courtyard of the temple, and as they climb the ladder, having filled them with oil, and it's, it's kind of like uh, Nebraska State games when they finally take the torch and they light the big thing, it said, Josephus said that there's not a courtyard in all of Jerusalem that are not lit by the light of those candle operas in the courts. Jesus stood there in that shadow and said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness but he'll have the light of life. In John chapter 10, Jesus said, I'm the door that lets you in and out of the sheepfold. There aren't two ways, there's only one. All must come through me. He also in John chapter 10 says, I am the shepherd, it's put this way, I am the shepherd, the good one. He is reflecting back on Ezekiel 34 and the failed shepherds of Israel, when God reproves the kings and the religious leaders, and he says, the wandering you have not sought, and the wounded you have not nursed them with oil to heal them. I will send one, I will send a shepherd, and he will care for the flock of God. Jesus said in John chapter 10, me, I'm that shepherd who seeks the lost and heals the wounded. In John chapter 11, as he stands with the weeping sisters of his best friend Lazarus, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who lives and believes in me will live even if he dies. It's significant that at the end of that, Jesus asked the one question every single one of us ultimately has to answer. Do you believe this? John chapter 15, Jesus said, I am the vine, the true one. Apart from me, you can do no thing. And our favorite one is John chapter 14 and verse 6, when it's kind of a triplet of, I, of titles on identity. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one can come to the Father but by me. Also, as I was reading through the Gospels again this week, I marked at least 23 different times that Jesus is called the Son of God. The devil identifies him as the Son of God. The demons identify him as the Son of God. The disciples so identify him. The Lord himself identifies himself. Even the thieves on the cross said, if you are the Son of God, then get yourself down and save us as well. The chief priest brought this accusation. He is worthy of death because he has claimed to be the Son of God. The centurion, when he sent for Jesus to come and minister to his dying servant, he said, you are the Son of God. The angel Gabriel, when he announced his birth, said he will be called the Son of God. The Baptist John said, you are the Son of God. The sister of Lazarus named Martha said, 
You are the son of God. Whatever you ask of your father, he will give to you. But last of all was at the foot of the cross as Jesus breathed his last. The commander of a hundred Roman forces said, certainly that was the son of God. Jesus' favorite title for himself appears over a hundred times in four gospels. He calls himself the son of God. Of man. It's a title taken all the way back from Daniel chapter 7. There will be one like the Son of Man, and He will have dominion and power and authority. He will be glorious. Jesus claimed that a hundred times when you read the Gospels. It speaks, first of all, of His humanity, that He was God has become flesh. He is the Son of Man. He has a, a, a human uh, ancestry. You go to Ancestry.com, you put in the name Jesus, and you've got an account in Matthew of this lineage. You've got one in Luke that goes the other way. It also speaks of his humility. In, in Philippians chapter 2, it says that even though he existed in the form of God, he did not consider equality with God a thing to be white-knuckled. But he emptied himself. He humbled himself. It speaks as well of his deity. When he stands in front of Pilate in Matthew chapter 26 in the 64th verse, he said, I say to you all, from now on you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming in the clouds of heaven. And it also speaks of his ultimate destiny. Again in Philippians chapter 2, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will will confess that this Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, to the glory of God his Father. My dad always reminded me that my name meant the same as the Thomas of the Bible. He called him Doubter. He called me Doubting Thomas. And I said, Dad, I doubt that, but I'm going to put up with it because you said it's true. Said, when the eyes of my namesake finally were opened at the resurrection of Jesus, he simply fell on his knees and said, you are my Lord and my God. Of all of the names and more that were given, there is only one that summarizes all that he is, and that's the name his father gave him. It's the name Jesus. In Acts chapter 4, when they were commanded, don't do any more ministry, no longer speak in his name, they said, what else are we supposed to speak of? There is no other name under heaven that has been given amongst men by which we must be saved. And you come to the last book in the Bible, the book of Revelation, and I found that seven times in Revelation he is called Jesus the Christ. Jesus, his human name, his missional name. He is a human that came to save humans on their behalf, but also Christ. It is his name of anointment or his name of appointment from the Old Testament. He is the promised Messiah. He is the one. The author of the Revelation pulls the two together. This human Savior is none less than the Christ of the old. But the interesting thing is that of the seven occurrences in Revelation, five of them appear in chapter one, where he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. And then the last verse, in the, the first verse in the Bible says, in the beginning, God. The last verse in the Bible, 66 books later, final word, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all.
Amen. They called him a lot of names. The question you have to ask for yourself is, what will you call him? One day, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, glory to God in the highest, and on earth be peace amongst men with whom he is pleased.